0: Section 28 of Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Stratagems and Conspiracies to Defraud Life Insurance Companies, An Authentic Record of Remarkable Cases, by John B. Lewis and Charles C. Bombow homicide part five the goss utterzook tragedy part four william e utterzook i reside at number one sixty seven conway street by trade i am a smith and edge tool maker formerly a teacher of fine arts have resided in baltimore in the same house eight years i have known winfield scott goss some five or six years on the afternoon of the fire i met with him about two o'clock and proceeded with him to the house occupied by him situated near the york road where we spent the afternoon and portion of the evening together i have been there frequently before this time he was engaged in perfecting the invention of a substitute for india-rubber he had his vat in the cellar and forced the hot air or steam from the stove in the room over the cellar through a pipe running through the floor into a chest in the cellar. His workroom for gilding looking-glass frames was in the northeast room of the house. He and I were both in the cellar that afternoon. It was nearly half past eight o'clock that evening when I left the house for the purpose of procuring a lamp from Mr. Engel's house, as the lamp we had would not burn. He left us at the door and closed and locked it after us. Before we left, he, Engel, and myself had been trying to make the lamp burn. It was a very large glass lamp. Question. Was there anything passed between you and Mr. Goss when you left? Anything said by you or him as to what you were going for? Answer. It was understood we were going for a lamp. That was the arrangement. Witness further testified. I do not think we were absent from the house more than fifteen minutes. I had been to Mr. Engel's house before. I had stopped there that afternoon and borrowed an axe, and I returned the axe about sunset same day. At that time I took supper with the family. They were just seated at the table, and we were very intimate. I was at Mr. Engel's house when I heard the alarm, heard the cry of fire from someone in the neighborhood, and i opened the door to go out of the house and saw the light of the fire at the same time the flames were illuminating the neighborhood then which was within ten or fifteen minutes from the time i had left mr goss i waited a very few minutes for the lamp and when it was ready i went out of the dining room into the kitchen when i opened the door i saw the reflection of the light from the burning house i set the lamp back on the table and announced to the family that the cottage was on fire and ran across the field in company with mr engel's son at the time we arrived the fire had spread to such an extent that it was impossible to effect an entrance into the house or to get open the door the glass was dropping from the heat and the roof was in flames from one end to the other before i reached the house i spoke to mr engel and told him that if Goss did not appear in a few moments, I would take it for granted he was in the fire, although, I said, it would not be safe to say so at present. I waited a few moments, and then I requested Lewis Engel to go and deliver the sad tidings to his wife and the family, which he did. After the house had burned down sufficiently, and the fire had subsided, they succeeded in finding the body it was carried to a barn and placed in a box there the next afternoon the coroner took charge of it after which i went with the undertaker to the barn and brought away the body to his residence number three fourteen north utah street from where it was afterwards buried i recognized it as being his body judging by the size and shape of the head and the size of the neck and breast which were not much disfigured I claimed it to be his body. I had a perfect right to do so, I think. I noticed a considerable flow of blood coming from the body. Cross-Examination by Mr. Wallace Mr. Goss and I married sisters. I married into the family the fall of 1865. Had not known Mr. Goss prior to that time. I am employed by the firm of Duker & Bro as an edge-tool-maker and a smith previous to the war i was engaged in teaching penmanship and fine painting in oil in pennsylvania i had an interest with mr goss in the manufacture of his substitute for india rubber that was the object of my going out to the cottage with him he had not yet made an effort to procure a patent he told me that if i would devote a portion of my time with him and furnish some capital i should have a share in the invention I furnished him two hundred dollars up to that time. My wages are from thirteen dollars to twenty-two dollars a week. My time contributed was in keeping him company. Mr. Goss had specimens of his substitute for rubber, which he exhibited. They were cut in square chunks, as rubber usually is, and he was in the habit of carrying them about with him. On the afternoon of the fire, I went out there with him, as he told me he had some very nice samples and he was going to work on some that afternoon i knocked off work that afternoon for the purpose of going out with him we walked out to the intersection of charles street with the waverly street cars and rode out as far as waverly at waverly mr goss bought a half pint of whiskey and a gallon of coal oil which we took to the cottage and about a quart of the oil was put in the lamp we stopped on our way at mr engle's house where i borrowed an axe my purpose in getting the axe was to cut a little wood to make a fire to heat up the house and heat the stove in order that we might spend the evening in a warm room from engle's house we went to the cottage where i proceeded to make a fire he filled the vessel on the stove with water for the purpose of raising a little hot air or steam in the vat which was in the cellar occasionally he would go into the cellar to see how the preparation was working i remained in the room on the floor above i was in all the rooms that afternoon but most of the time in the room where the stove was it was a cold day and there was some snow on the ground about sunset i went back to mr engle's house for the purpose of returning the axe i remained there about half an hour mr gottlieb engel then went back with me to the cottage goss unlocked the door and led us into the house mr goss visited the cellar once or twice after that mr engel and i remained in the room where the stove was the lamp did not burn well apparently the wick was wet mr engel left the house with me for the purpose of going and getting a lamp we left mr goss in the dark with only the light of the stove i believe there was a little piece of candle there that he had been using i heard the cry of fire before i left the engel house when i got to the cottage the flames had burst through the windows and had thoroughly spread over the roof all the rooms were apparently full of flame and smoke i spoke to nobody but the engels of my suspicions that my brother-in-law mr goss might be in the flames there was no one else there that i knew until mr lowndes was pointed out to me mr wallace in the name of heaven if a man is burning up do you have to be introduced before you will ask for assistance in pulling out the burning man i claim that i performed my duty by sending a message to the family witness continued i returned to the city baltimore about eleven o'clock that night i went first to number three fourteen north utah street where mrs goss resided after i left mrs goss i approached a police officer on the street and made known to him the nature of the accident that had occurred and explained to him that i believed it was caused by the explosion of a coal-oil lamp we went into a tobacconist's and i gave him the details the clerk at the tobacconist's store wrote the statement down I asked the officer if he thought we would have time to have it published that night. He said he thought we would if it reached the newspaper office before two o'clock. I was anxious to have this get into the newspapers the next morning. Andrew J. Lowndes The burned cottage was my property. It was a light-frame building. Mr. Goss applied to me in the summer or autumn of 1871 to rent the house, as it was then vacant. I reluctantly consented to let it to him. That was my first meeting with him. Mr. Goss was a large, full-chested man. I was at the fire. After the house was pretty much consumed, my attention was first called to the suspicion of there being anybody in the fire by a man whom I did not know at the time, but in the inquest I learned it was Mr. Utterzook. I saw the charred remains after they were taken from the fire. They were very much burned." The chest had been lacerated in being drawn out. The face was partly burned and a great deal defaced.